0: Welcome to Reach Arts, Season 5. It's April. It's National Poetry Month. I will talk with some North Shore poets, and they will read some of their poetry. Listen along. It'll be fun. Today, I am with Nancy Hewitt. Nancy is the first poet laureate of Swamscott, and that was back in 2014. For 40 years, she was a clinical social worker in Salem in both community and private practice. She has her master's degree of fine arts from Vermont College, and it was her interest in the natural world that got her interested in poetry. She has a new book coming out in July. The title is "Completing the Ark." Nancy Hewitt, welcome. Thank you. I, 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 oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Speak. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I thought I'm really happy to be here um, on the uh, uh, as National Poetry Month is ahead of us. Um, I should say that I um, my career in social work has been, uh, influential in writing my, uh, in, in writing my poetry, um, the natural world started it off, and then, uh, I just found relationships and family dynamics, um, everywhere, so the, the poem, I've chosen five poems for today, and there, I thought I'd start off with, um,
0: Two dreams. Okay, but I got some questions for you first. Is that all right? That's fine. Okay, good. Okay, I, I, I got to be a bit of the boss here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you write. Where, when, and how often do you write?
1: Um, I am. I kind of think of myself as a binge writer. Um, I I am not. I wish I were somebody who sat down at the desk every. Uh, Every day and wrote, but um, and I had a a strict schedule like that. But as things appear to me, um, uh, that's when I write. So uh, I have been part of a writing group uh, for 26 years, and they're although they're not all poets, they uh, we meet on a regular basis and do free writing, and that connects me. Um, also, to uh, it brings my thoughts at the moment onto the page um,
0: okay, yeah so how do you know when one of your poems is done well there there was there
1: is a painter I think it might have been Bonard who said um a, a painting is never finished it's just abandoned and uh you know when I go back to my my poems of 20 years ago they might seem um they might seem unfinished or they might seem like perfect or they might seem like I wish I'd uh, there was no point in writing that because it's what the, the newest poem is that that counts um so I you just have to you know I do many 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 revisions and it just when that's, When it feels right, um, that's when I consider it done. Uh, Also, in the process of putting it together into a manuscript, sometimes that's when uh, absence, you know, when it seems like yet another revision needs to be made to fit into the, the whole of the manuscript. Okay, wow,
0: okay. And what writers do you admire?
1: Well, I tend to read a lot of novels, um, uh, so I've been reading lately Richard Powers, and um, I like I've during the pandemic I, I've gotten to into biographies, and so the um, uh, the biography that I found the most fascinating was the r- most recent one of Sylvia Plath called um, Red Comet. It's eleven hundred pages, and I loved every every page, <laughs> oh, wow. extensively researched, you know, like 300 page, 200 pages of, uh, of uh, uh, resources mm. and um, uh, quotes. And uh, it was, it was just marvelous. So I, I really like getting into the stories of people as I did as a therapist as well.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And what's the best piece of writing Advice that you've ever heard not necessarily to you, but you've ever heard
1: um, The best piece of writing of advice is probably is the advice that I got from being in a class with um, Sharon Olds who As we were talking about should I should we um, How much of family dynamics should we be um, revealing, and um, she said, um, tell the truth. It's just so simple, and be accurate. Um, so I, I I think that I, I hold on to that at times of, should this be out mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. or is it something that should never be revealed? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once you tell it, you can decide what to do with it, yes. of course. Yeah. Put it in a book, put it on a, uh,
0: write it on a wall, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so what are you going to read to us today? You well, said you've got five poems. I
1: do. I have five poems. Um, one of them is from my my previous book called Heard. Um, and these these books are both on um, finishing la- the um Website of finishing line, uh, press. Uh, so heard is my first book from 2013. And the second book is called, um, completing the arc and it will be, it's available to be pre-ordered now. Uh, and it will be issued in, um, July, this July.
0: Mm,
1: okay. Yes. So there will be a book party coming up. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, so I, I think I will start out with, a, with, two, with two dreams. Um, I believe both of these are in the, the book coming up. Um, there's a, I have a third book, which is waiting for a, um, for a publisher, which is a full book. These two are chapbooks. I'll start with dream before leaving for Mexico. It's Frida Kahlo's pet spider monkeys again. Their long, skinny arms wrapped around her neck. Monkeys that are now dropping from the ceiling in my living room right when the Red Sox game is getting good. Ortiz breaks his bat on a hit through the hole between first and second. The Yankees right fielder dives for the ball but misses while Ortiz heads for second. And in left field, One monkey cowers behind my yellow upholstered chair. I think the game could have continued, monkeys or not, if not for my father stumbling onto the field in his jockeys. I resent how people lurch into my dreams this way, especially the dead, especially when for him it's always 1958. I worry now, as he meanders toward the outfield, that a slur will escape his lips, or that he won't understand the need of the creature who waits for me there, her outstretched arms ready to hold on for dear life, her fingers, her hands to finger my ear, my necklace, a fold of my blouse. And the second dream poem is called, All Saints' Eve. Maybe it was our bonfire of tree roots, still sending up steady plumes of smoke that made its way into my dream, where a family of foxes emerged from under the bed into a fog that held us all, the kits nipping each other in play, the adults sniffing the air with their long pointed snouts, then all of us evaporating into deeper fog, I awake to a morning fog that envelops me, then dissipates in a flash, opens up a clear view of the near field, frost caps on a few lamb's ears at the bottom of the steps, and on the terrace a shimmer of scarlet and fuchsia, geraniums in wan sun. I remember the fox's burnished red coats, long black legs, the tangled troop of kits, How facile their disappearance! Is it better to remember or to forget? Last week an elderly neighbor, out of wood, determined to keep his stove ablaze, began to burn his library of books in no particular order, some signed, some overrun with marginalia. Staying alive is no easy matter. I'm reminded of squatters in British short stories who burn their furniture stick by stick, then start in on the molding. I will now read um, Completing the Ark, which is the title poem of my um, new collection. Completing the Ark, And it has an epigraph um, by Leonard Cohen. There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. A warm front's arriving, blasts of sun knifing their way through thunderous gunmetal clouds. Flames emerge from my hesitant fire, lick the edges of the split wood. Electricity hadn't come to my grandparents' farm when my mother left home in the 40s to work as a maid. And then, tungsten filaments. I like to imagine the first time she flicked a switch in the college professor's house to see light playing over furniture she'd polished to a high sheen. Many years later, I remember the slant of light on the empty green bottle of Rolling Rock as it completed its arc from the open Pontiac window to the shoulder of the rural road lined with autumn's pink poverty grass. In those days before cup holders and breathalyzers, before seat belts, my father would have steadied the bottles between his legs and ordered my mother to heave the empties out of sight. That never happened, he said, thirty years later. In the velvety folds of the mind, there are desires that lean back in their comfortable chairs awaiting illumination. Then there's the light offered up by words and how sometimes we turn away first before the pain of refusal. Um, This is a fairly recent poem called uh, Certainty. Summer Sundays on my grandparents' farm, the sun beginning to lower, my mother and I settle into a porch rocker. I'm in her lap, but facing her, my legs wrapped around her waist, my chest pressed to hers. Heart to heart, we're waiting, as if rocking and wishing will bring my father back from the bar. She faces the dirt farmyard wash tubs the hand pump for water a scuffle of chickens clucking and scratching the air feathered with down my stomach still churning from the uproar earlier that day grandpa with his axe headless chickens bumping against our legs no one can make fried chicken like grandma they all say but I turn my head when she pulls out their pin feathers, chops them into pieces. Through the dusty window behind us, I watch my aunts settle my younger cousins, then lean toward each other to gossip, probably about my father, who drives to the moose club after every afternoon meal. They keep saying my mother should make him stay, The longer we rock, the more I absorb the prickle of her worry, the rub of her rage, the threat of something breaking loose. I hug her tighter when cars drive past the farm without stopping. Waiting for hours, so alone and the porch so wide, the relatives staying away as night moves closer so they don't hear the fighting when he arrives. No surprise then, after his death, that my mother takes to watching reruns of decades-old sitcoms because she likes to know ahead of time how things turn out. She didn't like how I'd turned out, this life I'd made far away from her. She wanted me next door, holding her again, resented how I'd made my lap inhospitable in the way certain birds layer their their nests with brambles and hawthorn to keep their young from harm. She'd never known that she was not my young and that I could never save her, ever. I live near ocean now, calmed by the approach and retreat of waves, the long extended lines of sea that lap the beach today, Urgency held just under the surface. My mother didn't trust the underneath, was drawn to flares, the squeal of tires, the rescue. And at the end, I was ten minutes late. She'll be along, she'd said of me to the nurse who held her hand. She'll be along any time now. yeah mm. that one captures it all.
0: <laughs> mm, yes, it does. yeah, it's beautiful. The images in that. I just
1: I'll end with um a lighter poem uh, which um, uh, <laughs> whose title is. Some days, I don't want to write a poem. (laughs) Some days, the slow stream of water filling the washer is enough. The satisfaction of sorting whites from brights, high loft from low loft, clothes twisted by the smooth plastic cone in the impartial stainless steel tub. Some days watering the plants is enough, the clear pool on the surface, the threat of an overflow, then the steady ebb, the slow percolation, water meandering through peat, searching for flaws in the medium, the inevitability of gravity. Some days it's enough to watch steam hover at the rim of a teacup, How a sudden air current makes it swirl, then lifts it like a smoke signal. On certain days, a poem would interrupt the tangle of cat legs weaving through the morning, the sun's passage from kitchen to bedroom, bars of noon light falling on the oriental through the slats of a blind, the sleeping black cat's fur transformed to shades of rust and henna. Like a breeze ruffling curtains, or soot settling on starched white linen, a poem could derail my orderly thoughts, hooked together like railroad cars. Always an engine, always a caboose, always those nondescript ones, trapped in the middle, carrying freight.
0: Well, thank you so much, Nancy, for that reading. I do love in the dream poems. You have such humor in there. They're so beautiful. And then you move on to these heart-wrenching images. Wow. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. (laughs) So as our guest, you have the final word. Well... What um, would you like to say? um, Think? Yes. Big words.
1: (laughs) Happy Poetry Month to um, everyone, and buy poetry books. They're important. Words matter. (laughs) I
0: agree. National Poetry Month. Write a poem. Read a poem. Share a poem. Thanks for listening. Stop by again.